All right, hello and welcome everyone to the fifth official episode of the Sunday Night Drive Tech Podcast, and might I add the final episode in the first season of the podcast. Noah, how's it going today? Oh, it's pretty good. It's pretty rainy outside, so if you hear any thunder or lightning, mind that. Uh, We can't do much about the nature. Yeah, it is pretty loud outside, so just like Noah mentioned, in case it's uh, very apparent that it's raining, we apologize for that. So we're just going to kind of jump right into it. So we've got a few tech deals this week as usual. We're going to do a quick hands-on with the OnePlus 7 Pro that is now Noah's daily driver. And then we have some news from Huawei, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard about. And just a few other things, something quick from Microsoft, some news with uh, some open source stuff that they're doing, and and a few other things. So let's kind of just jump right into it. Noah, let's start off with our tech deals this week. Noah, I want to see what you have this week. Sure. I got a TCL 40-inch 1080p smart LED Roku TV coming in at $180. It's a pretty great deal. It's on sale for about 20 bucks, but even a $200 TV at this size is a great deal. No, that does sound like a pretty good deal. I know that when I bought my 32-inch 1080p TV from Vizio like a couple years ago, it was like 230 bucks. So, I mean... This is what an additional seven inches on top of that of real estate for TV. And then obviously it's a smart TV as well, which mine even isn't. So it actually is a built-in Roku and everything. And that's $180. And that's a pretty sizable TV for that price, I'd say. Yeah, and that's the great thing with 4K coming out and all that stuff. All these 1080p screens, which are still great to watch things on, are really plummeting in price. And it's really making it easy for people to get a nice big TV with a nice resolution for cheap. Yeah, and this is even the 2019 model, so it actually looks like it's pretty recent. What kind of I.O. does it have? It's got three HDMI 2.0 with uh, one USB, a composite, headphone jack, optical audio. That's a, that's, that's a pretty good deal. I would definitely uh, definitely go see if I could pick one of those up if I was in the, in the market for a TV. But I'm going to move into my tech deal now. I have a pretty nice gaming desktop, actually, from Amazon. Right now, it's... It's a little steep in price. It's fourteen forty nine. So that comes in actually with an i seven ninety seven hundred K, a uh, eight core processor at three point six gigahertz. It's got a GeForce RTX twenty seventy, eight gigabytes of GDDR six RAM, and then it's got sixteen gigabytes of DDR four twenty six sixty six megahertz memory. And then on top of that, we have a two hundred forty gigabyte SSD and a one terabyte hard drive. It has liquid cooling as well, rather than traditional, uh, just just a traditional standard cooler. Did you mention it came with the keyboard and mouse? It does have a keyboard and mouse with it as well. So it also has RGB lighting. It makes it kind of look pretty cool. It has built-in Wi-Fi. So I know a lot of desktops don't come with built-in Wi-Fi. Seen more recently that they have been coming out with Wi-Fi. So that's that's pretty good to see. Yeah, fourteen fifty for that, and then just spend another hundred bucks on a decent monitor, and you got a whole gaming setup. Oh yeah, for sure. Maybe that monitor that we mentioned a few weeks ago. Oh even. yeah, that was a pretty nice monitor. What did it come in at? Hundred seventy, hundred eighty. Around one hundred eighty dollars. Yeah. Um, it also has a magnetic dust filter basically on top, so any dust that it brings in, um, you can just pull off the dust filter on top. It just magnetizes right onto the case, and you can pull that off, clean it up, and everything when you're all done to kind of get rid of all the dust that it's pulling in yeah now i have one of those on my desktop in my room and those things are amazing they're so easy to take off and clean 
and then like like he said they're magnetized so they just pop right on and go right back off and it's just a really nice way to clean the pc as opposed to the older systems where you had to take the case off and blow it out and do all that hassle right and then just to kind of come in with some of the io here basically uh coming off that 2070 we've got uh, hdmi display port and dvi and then we also have five usb 3.1 ports uh, gigabit ethernet jack uh, and then the audio connector and obviously as i mentioned earlier the wireless card as well as a bluetooth card so it's looking like a pretty good deal for for the price and this actually even comes with a one-year parts and labor warranty basically for free that's just a nice little thing that they threw in there as well oh yeah and then there's that free lifetime tech support so both of those especially if you're not too much of a tech person those are two things that you might be looking for in a desktop and it comes included right with this this one's cost so right definitely something to look at so, Noah, you've had the OnePlus 7 Pro now since last Wednesday, I want to say? Yep, I got it Wednesday afternoon, about 3 p.m. How's uh, how's that been treating you? I'm, uh, I've am i got my hands on it as well. I was testing it out. I'm really liking this phone. I have not found an honest issue that, that has affected me yet. Um, right now, it's at 42% battery life. It's 1 p.m. on a Sunday, and I cannot remember the last time I charged it, maybe Friday night. So the battery life, although it has been claimed to be a little bit on the weaker side, still lasts almost as long as you could possibly want. And then that 90 hertz refresh rate on the uh, on the screen is so noticeable. I did a side-by-side -side comparison with an iPhone 10, and it is just uncomparable. You can feel it in every way imaginable. You can't see it in the videos, but you can definitely feel it. And once you get your hands on one of these and you try it out, you'll see what, what we're talking about. Right. And like you'd mentioned earlier, the battery life is actually pretty good for, even though it was kind of advertised by some other uh, tech YouTubers and, and other reviewers, basically that the battery life wasn't quite as good as it could be. Yeah, it really seems to not have been giving you a problem. And obviously you've been running it at max resolution and at the max refresh rate, and it's been seeming to give you pretty great battery life and i can actually see right now we're sitting in a pretty bright area the phone's not even at full brightness right now and this thing is bright it is going to be very easy to see outside and it's just going to it's just a very bright panel overall actually i was cutting grass yesterday and it was really really sunny out and i could pull this phone out and look at it like i was in a dark room it's so bright so that's a very nice feature for it and then huge brownie points to oneplus for providing the screen protector and a case yeah that's always something nice that oneplus does kind of throwing in those little extra little extras i like to say to kind of you know build up a bit of a rapport so it's like they have that nice pre-installed screen protector and then obviously that nice case they include in the box you don't have to go buy one of those worry about dropping this nice new phone yeah and i mean it's just a little rubber case but it, so far it feels like it would withstand a couple drops and it comes with the phone so you can't really complain about something like that and obviously, we had mentioned the screen. Uh, looking at this thing, it's just incredible. It just fills the whole screen. This is basically uh, OnePlus's fluid AMOLED display. It's just It just looks beautiful, honestly. And then the fingerprint sensor is definitely as fast as advertised. It is so fast. And the front-facing camera, all of my friends and family were concerned with the camera pop-up. And every single one of them, I showed them the uh, the drop test because... They would all say, oh, so you can just drop your phone and break the camera off. 
And so that, uh, that fall detection really does help. And I'll tell you one thing, it is really hard to fake a fall on this phone. It, it can tell almost every time that I try to fake drop it. So to test it, I have to actually drop it into my other hand. You're, uh, you're certainly braver than I after you, after you <laughs> bought this phone for sure. And then obviously, uh, given the chance from Noah, I actually was able to test out the camera, uh, the rear camera as well on the phone. It's looking uh, very nice as well. Maybe not quite up as high as uh, something from Google, but, uh, but OnePlus definitely has a, great, has a great phone on their hands with a great camera. And then just kind of beyond that, even the, uh, the speakers on this thing sound great as well. It still has, uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, some stereo speakers, one of the speakers being from the headset and then one of them being a uh, downward firing speaker. Um, so not, it's not the dual stereo speakers that maybe we're kind of used to on some flagships, but you know, the thing we were listening to this and it still sounds plenty loud enough. It's definitely plenty loud, I would say. And another part of the reviews said that at max volume, then it would kind of clip a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe just sort out. But I haven't noticed much of that at all. And then on a separate note, the charging is incredibly fast. It is ridiculous. There are times that I plug in my phone for what feels like five minutes and it goes up so high that it's unimaginable thanks to that warp charging. Uh, we tested out the face unlock as well. That is actually very fast, um, but I think Noah's probably going to avoid using that. Obviously, just to reduce the number of times that that front camera mechanism is being used. Yeah, that's my concern with the little mechanism for the camera, especially if you're using Face ID. It pops up. I mean, think about how many times you probably look at your phone a day how many times you have to unlock your phone. So I'm a little weary of using it on a daily because of that mechanism. But overall, Noah, how would you say you are? are you, I would say you're pretty satisfied with your purchase. Yeah, this is an absolutely amazing phone. And if you're looking for an Android, this is the one to buy. This is, uh, this is definitely, I would say, the best Android phone out right now. I want to kind of get into our main topic today. So that's going to be talking about Huawei. So basically, if you guys don't know, Huawei is a Chinese-based tech company that develops a lot of different devices. They develop phones as well as a lot of hardware, basically networking equipment. And they have a, uh, a ton of different customers, really, the U.S. being a, a big partner. But basically, uh, an executive order was placed here recently, cutting off ties with Huawei from the United States. And no, I mean, we've been looking at this all week and it's just, I don't know if I've seen anything like this, honestly. It's a mess is what it is. It's, it's very, it's very confusing for sure. It just seems like it's very back and forth and it's just, it seems to be a very confusing situation to kind of wrap our heads around. Yeah. And it all stems from the security threat or the supposed security threat whenever it comes to Huawei devices powering the U.S. infrastructure. So apparently, correct me if I'm wrong. They discovered a bunch of essentially rookie mistakes in the security of the devices, and that scared the United States, and now we've put a ban on Huawei devices. So it was essentially that and fear from people in the United States, the lack of basically security and possibility that these devices were being used to spy on the United States. So basically, as I mentioned, Huawei makes phones, but really they make a lot of the uh, radios in cell towers and various other telecommunications networking devices. Um, So they're really, really big into hardware and they are so wrapped up in 5G. So basically 5G is kind of the next step in 
telecommunications and and kind of data as as we know it and the speed at which we receive data of, of course they're making a bunch of this stuff and the u.s is a little scared to use it because of these security issues uh, personally i don't think Huawei's given a specific reason in the past to not be trustful and so i feel like the straight up ban might have been a little intense to start See, here's where I'm probably going to disagree with you and that I, I do, I can kind of see both sides of it really, but Huawei's kind of, I would say, built their business on these rather shady practices. I mean, we're talking back even, back towards more of the beginning of when the company was developed. Basically back in 2003, they were caught essentially ripping code from Cisco for their networking devices and basically they ended up bringing in a third party person who evaluated the code from both devices and they found that that Huawei had basically just straight ripped Cisco's code and then there was a bit of back and forth basically Huawei saying that they had not actually ever proven that they had ripped this code and then Cisco basically saying that the third party company had concluded that they that they were stealing that code it was basically a huge mess and it's been like this a lot over the years and Huawei's just made some very questionable decisions so and it seems like they've been really able to get away with a lot of this stuff because as I mentioned they're developing a lot of the hardware that goes into 5G infrastructure but they actually have built a lot of our uh, infrastructure currently really and there's really not anybody who's even close in terms of uh, developing this hardware so it's like we're almost caught in a deadlock where you know say we stop we stop supporting huawei and maybe we lean in in favor of someone more like namely ericsson was a, kind of one of the other leading companies in this telecommunications infrastructure hardware but they they really aren't even close and you know say we stop really like i mentioned supporting huawei we're gonna we're gonna halt 5g i mean there's really just no questioning it uh, we're gonna be waiting waiting a lot longer for our 5g telecommunications networks and that might not be too much of a bad thing based off the issue 5g is going to bring with it if it is a credible issue but on huawei's side I'm just faced with the question, are the rewards of banning Huawei and, you know, essentially punishing them going to outweigh the negatives on our own U.S. companies who were doing business with Huawei? Right. And obviously, on top of all the telecommunications stuff that they do with the hardware side of it, they actually develop their own phones as well as like laptops and, and other various consumer products. So they have basically two lines of phones. So one is their flagship phone. The most recent one was the Huawei P30 Pro. And then they have a more budget line of cell phones that come in around $400 or so, which are the Huawei Honor series. And basically, both of these phones have been hit by this Huawei ban, obviously, as well as Huawei's other hardware. With this executive order, the government has come in and intervened and said that Huawei is not allowed to do business with any of these American companies. So that includes Google and Microsoft and a lot of uh, other companies that basically they're interacting with on a daily basis. These Huawei phones, they are using Android, and that is Google's version of Android. So they're using Google, Google Play services, Google Photos, Gmail, all of those things that come pre-installed with stock Android are being cut off where Huawei is no longer allowed to use them per the license that has now been stripped by Google to comply with this executive order. And I've heard 
rumors, I think, that Huawei was prepared for something like this and they were developing their own face for Android, essentially. They were basically working on developing their own operating system to kind of, to prepare. And that also makes me kind of wonder, like, what exactly were they preparing for? Like, were, did they know that, you know, something like this might end up happening? And it makes you kind of question the legality of some of their practices. But see, that's that's where I might disagree on you. Uh, as Huawei being such a company that it is moving into the phones market a bit, I think that they decided maybe they should have their own operating system that worked well so they didn't have to rely on other companies for that that flawless operating system almost like they're trying to be more independent so personally i think they might have been developing something like this to get away from google and now it's being fast-tracked due to the ban see and i agree with you in some sense that that's kind of good that they're taking that initiative to really develop their own operating system but i mean if we kind of look at they're going to have to on top of developing an operating system they're going to have to develop their own application store so obviously the big ones we know now are the iOS app store and the Google Play store. And then kind of the third place one I would say is probably more of the Amazon app store. But obviously seeing Amazon is a multi-billion dollar company. And I mean, I would say their, their app store is relatively lackluster. It's gotten a lot better over the years for sure. But it still isn't anywhere near what the Google Play Store and what the iOS App Store are. Yeah, that's going to be their biggest issue is getting an App Store to work. Even if they get this App Store up and running and everything and their operating system working working all fine and well together, they have to really get people to adopt it. And they're going to have to find some way to pull these customers away from, say, the likes of Google um, and Android and iOS. And I feel like that's going to be probably their most their most difficult challenge and the, kind of their biggest hurdle to really overcome. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm sure we could talk for another hour on Huawei and all their practices and what's going on with the United States, but I'm a little interested in talking about 5G, if, mm-hmm. we, if we can shift. Yeah. So the 5G network that's coming out nice and fast, everybody loves it. The whole deal with Huawei kind of stopping that, but a more important issue is 5G stopping weather companies essentially Mm -hmm. from being able to predict disasters that are upcoming like hurricanes right so basically my understanding of uh of this topic is that 5g networks would be basically using the same band i believe it's 24 gigahertz that would basically be kind of constricting these weather companies from being able to use their satellites and it it could kind of cause some interference with that yeah so the uh, the weather companies use a similar band to observe water vapor and detect changes in weather. And whenever you throw the 5G on top of that, it would cause a whole bunch of interference. And people are even saying that it could take weather forecasting abilities back by 40 years by doing something like this, which I don't know how much I'm, I'm inclined to believe that specifically. It just seems... I, I mean, it's very possible. It's just so much of a trade-off really either way with this. We're going to develop 5G infrastructure. There's no doubt about that at some point. You know, we're we're looking to obviously make something that's uh, more and more efficient, more and more fast. And, you know, something that, is, you know, is speedy. And, and who even knows that maybe one day we'll be using 5G infrastructure for 
for like home use even rather than just cellular use maybe we're gonna be having these this 5g network service in our house as our primary source of internet and you know things like this are always going to come up it's really just a matter of finding really a balance between everything sure and this goes back to the the note with the huawei band coming up and that's going to delay 5g it is possible to separate the two and they just need time to develop the technology to do it so with the huawei band coming up and people needing to develop their own 5g it gives time and a chance to separate the two entirely and make sure that the interference doesn't cause an issue right it just seems like i think it's going to be more of a delay than a lot of people think because we really have to wait for someone to really come in and actually prove as a competitor to huawei and it's just i don't know i think it's going to be very difficult yeah but someone's bound to step up eventually and i guess we'll wait and see who they are right I think I want to kind of go back to talking about something else I didn't mention with Huawei, though, in light of their smartphones, really. And that is basically that in this executive order, obviously, not only have they been cut off from Google and Android, they are they are allowed to use the open source project uh, known as Android, but they are not allowed to use Google's Android, which includes all of Google Play services and, and things like that. So obviously, as we mentioned, they're, we're, they're kind of developing their own operating system, very likely going to be based on Android. But I have no doubts about that, yeah. But here's, here's the problem with that, and not even in as much, maybe they have a backup plan in their software, but here's where their hardware poses an issue, because they do develop their own Kirin chips, but they have been cut off also by ARM and x86, so they aren't going to be able to develop these processors that are based on either ARM or x86 architecture because they need that license in order to be able to develop those chips. So they're going to be having to be developing this Kirin chip based off uh, different processor architecture, and there aren't many that are very popular beyond ARM and x86. ARM generally more in the in the mobile market because of obviously more low-powered uh, processors that are better for battery life, and then their x86 processors in their laptops basically being cut off from, from that as well. Yeah. I think that's going to be really difficult for them. And what even competes with them uh, these days? Those are the, like the two that I know of. There is one that is uh, more of an open source standard. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but those are really the two main big ones for, for right now. And so it's going to be so difficult for them. And obviously, not even not even just those processors, but you know their display technology that they get from Japan. That's going to be really hard for them to. They're going to have to develop all these different technologies, probably at least with some other country that isn't banning them. Huawei's even been cut off from using micro SD, basically by the SD Association, who based the standard for SD technology. They are no longer allowed to advertise that they are using the micro SD technology in their smartphones. So I just think it's going to be very difficult for them. This is going to be something hard to come back from if this ban goes through fully and and really hits them like it's supposed to. And as hard as it's really been hitting them, I, I feel like this is such a double-edged sword. Because if you really look at, obviously, all the technologies that, that Huawei uses from American companies, you know, it's going to put a big dent on them as well. I mean, we're talking Intel, obviously, NVIDIA, Qualcomm. And in recent, in the past at least two weeks or so, we've seen a lot of companies take a dip in their stock. Yeah, really because of this issue. And it's just, I think it's going to be hitting a lot of companies 
harder than we really anticipate. Yeah, and one of the arguments I've been seeing is, sure, there's potential security issues, and that's where the ban's coming from, but, okay, ban imports, but why ban the exports? I don't even know as much as far as exports goes. It's really more of just not wanting anything to do with them either way. And I guess I see your point in that, but if you kind of look at it on really both sides of the equation, I mean, I mean, China has had bans placed on American companies for, for years now, and it's not really any secret. I mean, we're talking the likes of Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all sorts of things like even GitHub, like a, a plethora of different websites and bans have been placed on all these different American products. And I just think that they just want to cut off all ties from Huawei, being that they don't want to bring in their products and they don't want to ship anything out to them as well. Well, sure, that that makes a little bit of sense. It just, like I said, it hurts our American companies just mm-hmm. a little bit, but hopefully not too bad. Right. And also not to mention that even in even in the UK, it's kind of taken an impact on the devices because basically whenever a third party trade-in firm in the UK is now only taking these these devices in in a trade-in value of almost half what they were, Huawei P30 is now only worth about 130 US dollars, which is absolutely crazy because the phone retailed for about $1,150 at launch. Yeah, when you told me that, that... I was shocked. That was pretty ridiculous. It's just something that this could be really the end of Huawei. I mean, we are seeing this is just kind of a crisis that I've really never seen before. Obviously, we're seeing their business tank on all fronts, at least for right now. Like you said, I don't think people really understand how bad this is for Huawei. I mean, we've essentially crippled their hardware devices, their software and a great portion of their business too right if they are able to find some way to kind of come back from come back from the ashes it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see and so as i'm learning more recently though at least for 3 months now the the us government has come out and basically made a statement on existing consumer huawei products no changes would be made to the existing products in the hands of consumers so at least in my opinion this seems like something of a knee jerk reaction to the backlash that the us government received sure i agree with that they didn't have a lot of happy people on their hands after this for sure but i mean it was just it was just something that was kind of up in the air you know saying like you know all these customers who had, you know, gone out and bought these products. I mean, their customer confidence is at an all-time low with this with this ban and you have consumers out here wondering what is going on. You know, what is going on with my existing Huawei device? If you're going out to you're even thinking about going out and purchasing a Huawei device, you're not going to go out and buy one anymore, very likely. You're you're not going to go out and buy one anymore. And these consumers are just wondering like what was going to go on and then obviously the u.s government came out and made this statement that at least for the next 90 days that these huawei devices would be able to continue using google services and that no uh, no change was made at least for the foreseeable future well that's a great bit of huawei news for everybody for sure um and there's going to be there's going to be for sure updates on this as we kind of progress here but there's going to be constantly changes made to this, and we'll we'll just have to see where this really goes. Okay, so moving on, we can uh, talk about some of Microsoft's changes and some of the things they're doing with some open source software and 
Oh yeah, so Microsoft in recent, at least coming up in their developer builds, are going to be announcing a new Windows terminal, which allows users to use any one of their Microsoft command prompts, the PowerShell, or any one of their Linux subsystems, all compiled into one terminal, rather than having three separate separate windows open for obviously all the different applications. They are going to be compiling them into one application where you have these tabs and are able to kind of select between whether you want to use the command prompts, PowerShell, Ubuntu subsystem, SUSE subsystem, all sorts of things like that. And this should have just been, in my opinion, it's a little late, I think. It should already have been out. It's essentially a glorified terminal that combines everything to make one nice, clean terminal instead of having, you know... You can launch PowerShell, or you can launch Command Prompt, or you can launch one of the four subsystems, or however many there are these days. It's just one terminal to do it all. I think I'm just glad, personally, to see that we're seeing more strides from Microsoft in in the open source world. Um, that They're kind of really taking that initiative to develop something like this. And then on top of that, they are releasing their own kernel, actually, uh, that's based on the version 4.19 of the kernel, the latest long-term stable release of Linux that they're developing their kernel on. That's a pretty good thing that they're doing there. It is It is nice. In the perfect world, I think Windows would shift into a open-source software, but then I think you would pay for their, essentially, front so that you can use things like Microsoft Word and uh, they're like office suite how do you feel about that um i think that it's just a lot of development that's gonna have to go into that if we're gonna end up seeing microsoft really become open source and i think that that's going to be a long time coming for sure oh, i yeah. think that's going to be nowhere in the near future but microsoft is definitely taking strides in the open source world no doubt yeah and it's it's nice to see finally they're getting away from their really heavy proprietary type mindset right Right. and i I know actually in recent we've kind of seen a lot more uh people comparing google to the old microsoft and kind of the microsoft has really matured more whereas google is more of it more in its younger phase and we're kind of seeing google almost fall in the footsteps of microsoft hopefully that doesn't go too far what yeah i was gonna say what all what all do you think about that i mean do you think there's some truth in that maybe a bit yeah i haven't looked into google's linux distribution what is it called they have uh no they have the chromebooks now and uh that essentially is is linux am i right that's that's my understanding at least that i don't know for a fact i know that they are at least taking strides it's similar to microsoft i guess everybody's just realizing that linux is the way to go i uh i would definitely agree all right uh noah do you have anything else that you'd like to talk about this week I don't think so. I think that about sums it up with Huawei and the 5G, as well as Microsoft. It was pretty good topics for this week. Right. And I know we're cutting it a little bit short, but there's just kind of uh, not as much to talk about this week. So that kind of wraps it up, at least for the first uh, season of the Sunday Night Drive Tech podcast. We're going to be taking a few weeks off here, and we're going to be coming back sometime into the summer, probably around end of June or July or so. Keep uh, tuned in for the release of the second season of the Sunday Night Drive Tech podcast. So I'm Jake. I'm Noah. And thank you for taking this ride on the IT Superhighway. Superhighway.